Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for our worship. I thank you that we can come together as a local church, but also we can come together across our technology. We come together to gather around your word. So we thank you for this word. We thank you that it is literally breathed from you, Father. So we thank you that these words that we are reading this morning are more than just words. They're, they're your words to us. And we know that they're seeds. So thank you that we're about to plant these seeds into our hearts, into the ground of our hearts. We speak our understanding so that these seeds are not stolen. Understanding so that these seeds can grow and produce fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Hebrews 4. Dear, that was a surprise, wasn't that? And I was sitting there ready to go to John 12. Well, very quickly, we're going to go to John 12. But, um, actually, we don't need Hebrews 4 or later, but uh, we're going to be in Hebrews 4. I'm, I'm kind of going off on a tangent this morning in the sermon, uh, a tangent that formed as we were having our discussion on Thursday night. I love Thursday nights because quite often I get in this zone when you lot are all chatting away and I'm working on the sermon. And that kind of happened on Thursday night. Um, I don't know if anyone noticed, but there was 10 or 15 minutes where I was gone. I didn't know what you were talking about. I was was still like there, but um, I was writing down notes and drew a mind map for the sermon today. and, And I got really excited about this topic. So I want to talk about rest, because we spoke, we spoke a bit about that on, on um, Thursday night. Um, and it, came, it did come out of the sermon from last week. I spoke about that. But very quickly it developed on Thursday night to something else. Um, so hopefully this will bless you. But let, let's quickly go back to John 12, uh, 1 and 2. That's John 11. I was getting all confused. John 12. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. And I I taught on these verses last week, made a big thing of that word, but. Now, I noticed Carl had written the definition of but in the chat on Thursday night but I can't remember what it is. It's something about being a conjunction that takes something different to something else. Anyways, if this is not a grammar lesson. But I taught on them, and I, I, I was focusing on this word, but why was it? And it was all about Lazarus coming back to life, but not doing the works, sitting resting with Jesus. And I said, that's telling us about rest. It's telling us about relationship. Um. And I said that um, was a picture of our salvation. You know, here's Lazarus. He's now sitting at the table, reclining at the table, resting at the table, when he had been dead. I mean, he was dead. You know, I've, I've seen some theologians saying, talking about the crucifixion, well, well, maybe Jesus just painted. You know, that's nonsense. Jesus was dead. I don't see them talking about Lazarus, maybe just fainting. The guy was stinking. 
that <laughs> he had been dead. But now he's here. He's, he's reclining with Jesus at the table. And I said, Lazarus coming back out of the tomb, coming back to life, was a picture of our salvation. You know, coming from darkness to light, coming from death to life. And then we see this as a picture of the rest of our Christian life. When we should be resting with Jesus at his table of provision. That's what the rest of our life should be. Sitting at the table of provision, resting with Jesus Christ. So I started to, these thoughts come flying into my head. as, as Some of the nuns he said, and these thoughts started coming flying into my head uh, about rest. And of course, when we think about rest, we think about physical rest more often than not. And physical rest is good for us. Physical rest is essential for us. You're not going to last long if you don't sleep. Why do folk, when they're in prison cells and are being tortured, they get sleep deprivation? You know, it's, it's, to, it's to make sure they don't function properly. There's loads of studies done about this. Lots of books on the subject. There's one book I found called um, Nine Surprising Reasons to Get More Sleep by a chap called Morgan Griffin. And he writes, there are listed health benefits when we have a rested body. They include better health, less pain, lower risk of injury, better mood, probably one for me, clearer thinking, better memory, and a stronger immune system. All from sleeping, all from resting. I was thinking about that. And we know Jesus rested. Jesus, the word became flesh. Jesus was in a physical body. Yes, he was God, <clears throat> but he was also man. He rested. He withdrew to a place of privacy to rest. Matthew 14, 13. He got up early and went to a place of privacy to rest and to pray. Mark 1, 35. He told other people, you should go to a place of privacy and rest. Mark 6, 31. And remember a couple of weeks ago, what, was, what kind of state was Jesus in when he arrived at the well to talk to the woman? Tired, weary. So he got tired, he got weary, he needed to rest. And, and we know Jesus liked to sleep, amen? Why do we know Jesus liked to sleep? He slept in the boat. The boat was in a storm. The boat was sinking. And what's he doing? Getting his kit. Yeah, do, absolutely. Just do the same. Having a sleep. He could even sleep in a storm when the boat was sinking. That's the best picture I know of the need for sleep. Of the need for rest. And we're just like Jesus. We need rest. There are good reasons to rest. We've seen some of them already. We need to rest in our bodies and in our minds. But there's a spiritual rest that we need as well. Because we're a three-part body. Three-part person, I mean. Body, spirit, and soul. Body, soul, and spirit. 
we need to rest or have rest in all three of them. And John 12, 2, I believe, shows the kind of rest we need spiritually. It's a picture of the rest we need spiritually. A different kind of rest from our bodies and from our minds. The word says Lazarus was reclining at the table with Jesus. Remember that Greek word is quite descriptive. It was being together with, in unity, lying back and resting. That, that is key. The, there's nothing in this word that's there by mistake. It says he was resting or sitting at the table with him. It doesn't say he was resting at the table, does it? He was resting at the table, reclining at the table with Jesus. The key here is with him. While Lazarus was resting, he was with him. When we're resting spiritually, it's not just resting. It's resting with him. That's really key. See, I think sometimes when we say we need to rest in Jesus, some people think about what it means to rest physically. And those with a religious mindset are going to have a kind of going to have a problem with this. Going to have trouble with this when I say you need to just rest in Jesus. They kind of think about physical rest, you know, lying with the feet up. Uh, doing nothing, reading a book, having a nap. No, it, it's not that spiritually. What is it spiritually? So I was thinking about this. How can I describe what this rest spiritually is? What is rest in Jesus? And then John 6, 28, 29 came into my mind again. Then said they unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God. That you believe on him whom he hath sent. And I was kind of surprised because I thought, that doesn't talk about rest. But it does. The Jews saying, what are the works we need to do? And Jesus saying, well, you need to believe on him whom he hath sent. You need to believe on me. Now, in a way, he's kind of saying, by answering it that way, he's saying, no works. There are no works you need to do. Because you just need to believe in me. Did you see that? By Jesus answering, what are the works we need to do? You need to believe in me. That's explicitly saying no works. You don't need to do any works. <clears throat> and what's the opposite of work? Rest. The opposite of work is rest. Rest, resting in Jesus in the spiritual sense is simply believing on him. Who he was, who he is, who he will be forever. What he's done, what he's accomplished, what we have been made through him. That all encompasses believing in him. And that's what it means to rest in Jesus. How do we enter into rest in Jesus? How do we enter into rest as a believer? Through faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work. It's really that simple. 
That's what rest is, faith in him. Now, Nancy will tell you, I find it difficult to rest. Or, or rather, when we're talking about rest and work as being opposites, I find it rather difficult not to work. I'll say to Nancy, you're going to have a day off today. Nancy will say, aye, right. No, you won't. And I generally don't. And there's always something I can do in my business or my ministry or whatever other interest I'm involved in. Uh, Lee, mate, me, Lee, Lee might love this. I have a fantastic spreadsheet on Excel that I call my action tracker. I don't have lists. I have an action tracker. It's a bit like a task list, but it's got dates and notes on each task, and it, they're all color-coded. So when they flash up yellow, that means they're imminent and I need to do them soon. When they flash up red, they're overdue. Got loads of red ones. There's always things in this action tracker that needs to be done. There's always the next trip to plan. There's always the next sermon to write. There's always the next chapter to start in my book. It'd be good if I started on the first one. But there's always the next chapter to start in my book. There's the next sample to know. There's the next report to write. There's the next client to call. Quote to do. There's always work to be done. And, and as, a, as a person, as a businessman and minister, I find it difficult to rest if there's work to be done. And that's also true of people with a religious mindset thinking about spiritual rest. There's always a work to be done. If you're into religion rather than relationship, there's always another work to do and another work to do, another prayer or another time of fasting or another six months of this. Oh, that obviously didn't work. So let's do it for another six months. We obviously haven't humbled ourselves enough. You know, so the Lord hasn't turned his face back to us and forgiven us. We'll do that for another year. Works, works, works. And that, and that kind of thing is subtle. And, and those of a grace persuasion, I'm looking out here, those of a grace persuasion can get caught up in this too. I've had a couple of nods, thank you. Don't be complacent and think you're immune to this because you're into grace. It's very subtle. But some of us are trying to complete what Jesus has already finished. Some of us are trying to do works that Jesus has already done. Jesus has completed what some of us are trying to do with our religious practices. I mean, think of what we teach here. Think of what the Word says. We, we're talking all the time about the finished work of Jesus, that everything's been done by Jesus. It's not about us, it's about him. It's all about Jesus Christ, and we should be resting in that. And because of that, I made a little short list. Um, don't try and write these down because I'm going to go really quickly, but look at them again. Look at, this, look at this short list that I made up in about five minutes. We have been made 100% perfectly righteous in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Rest in that. Stop trying to be righteous, even if you move your car out of the way of the burger van. That's not a, that's not a work that's going to make you righteous. You've already been made righteous. 
We've been forgiven for all sin, past, present, and future. That's Ephesians 1 4, Colossians 1 14, 1 John 2 22. Rest in that. Don't try and ask for forgiveness. Don't do things to achieve forgiveness. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ. That's Ephesians 2 6. Rest in that. Don't try and achieve to be good enough to be with Christ. And we all know that we sit down when? When do we sit down? When work is finished. Jesus is seated now at the right hand of God. Why? Because the work is finished. We've been reconciled to God. 2 Corinthians 5.18. Stop trying to be accepted by God. We have now no condemnation even when we fail or when we fall. That's Romans 8.1. There's something to rest in. Something to believe in. Shame has been removed from us at Romans 10.1. That's something to rest in. We're now as valuable to God the Father as Jesus is. Every single one of us is as valuable to God the Father as Jesus is. That's Matthew 13, 45 and 46. We can rest in that. Jesus has finished what is required to be done to bring us into a relationship with him. That's why we call it the finished work. The Greek is amazing here. It means finished I, I, I can't explain finished. You all know what finished means. You know, finished is a, is a big, big word. Well, I was so unhappy last night when I finished my fish supper. Like, there was nothing left. There was no more work to be done. It, it, it's, it's final. We all know that. Jesus himself said, it is finished. Jesus has finished what was required to be done to bring us into a relationship with him. He took Lazarus out of the tomb. Lazarus is now alive. What does he do? Rest at the table of provision with Jesus Christ. That's what's meant by John 26, 29. Believe on him whom we are sent. It's about moving into rest and not finished work. But here's a problem. We cannot rest if we don't know all that that I just told you. We can't rest if we don't know 2 Corinthians 5.21, 2 Corinthians 5.18, Ephesians 1.4, Colossians 1.14, 1 John 2 verse 2, Ephesians 2.6, 2. 6, 2. You can't rest if you don't know that. And it's not just head knowledge. Some people call it heart knowledge. We know it's epinosis. You need full experiential knowledge that you've been made righteous and what that means, that you've been forgiven and what that means. And to me, I think that's the two biggies. I'm just kind of going off on another tangent of a tangent which I don't think he can do mathematically, but never mind. I'm going to go on a tangent of a tangent. When I talk to believers, I kind of get the sense we know we've been saved. I've got that. I understand that, but yes, I've been saved, I'm going to heaven. But the two biggies that I think a lot of people don't believe is that they've been made righteous and they've been forgiven. If you don't believe that, you're never going to be able to rest. 
you don't understand that truly on a heart level, on an experiential level, on a, I know that, I know that, I know that I've been forgiven. And from that, there's no guilt, there's no fear, there's no condemnation. And you, I know that, I know that, I know that I've been made righteous. And I, God looks at me and says, Vic, you're fantastic. And he does, Grant. He thinks I'm amazing. And my testimony is my life changed when I knew I was righteous. Where did that come from? We need to have, yeah, we need to have epinosis of that big long list I gave you of what Jesus has finished. We need to know that, understand it, believe it. Epinosis. And what I'm going to say next is stolen directly from Nunzi on Thursday night, so this is her one credit. Okay, so thank you for this. You don't even know what you said, you'll remember. Um, Because I've got it on a mind map, I drew it as you said it. She said, we can rest if we have full assurance of who we are, full confidence in who we are, and this is a great one, and at peace with who we are. You said that, and it just went, oh, yes. Now, I added a little bit to it, who we are in Christ. But you, you meant that. We can rest when we're at peace with who we are in Christ, when we have assurance in who we are in Christ, and when we have confidence in who we are in Christ. And I can sum that up with this phrase that you're all, you've heard us talk about it all the time. We can rest, or rest comes out of knowing our true identity of who we are in Christ. That's the key. True identity and who we are in Christ. Now, I, it's half past. I've been going on for a while. I can't cover that today. I'm going to do an Andrew Womack here. I have a whole series of teaching on who we are in Christ, and so does Nancy, and produced a brilliant leaflet on it as well. So we have material on that um, if you want to. But I started with who we are in Christ by that big long list that I gave you five, ten minutes ago. Righteous, forgiven, no shame, no condemnation, complete. Actually, I didn't, that's further on, it's okay. Um, Rest comes out of knowing our true identity of who we are in Christ. Forgiveness, righteousness, reconciliation, etc. And one of the best Bible studies you can do is to find out who you are in Christ. Brother Paul says this. Look through the epistles and see where it says, in Christ, through Christ, of those kind of things, who you, what I am in Christ, what I am through Christ. That's a great study. Do that and you will see, I knew that word was coming, you are complete in him. You will see the, the work is finished. You are complete. And now you can recline with him at his table of provision. And that is rest. That's resting in him. At the start of the sermon, I give you a long list of the benefits from physical rest. But there are many benefits from resting in Jesus too. If we know who we are in Christ, if we're at peace with that, there's there's going to be no double-mindedness, no doubt, no fear, no unbelief. 
going to be health and wholeness. There's going to be abundance and prosperity. There's going to be joy and there's going to be peace. There's going to be confidence. There's going to be assurance. There's going to be love and there's compassion. Being at rest with him brings out Christ-like features. And that's what the result should be. Now, if we think about that, and I also think this is correct, because when I do something positive like that, my, my bright brain kind of moves over to the negative. So what if I haven't got this confidence, I have still got some unbelief, I've still got some doubt, I've still got some fear, I've still got some wholeness. We're not resting in him. If they all come out of rest, and we have some that are missing, it must mean we're not resting in him. What does that go back to? Knowing our true identity in Christ. There must be something we haven't got full confidence in. There's something we haven't got full assurance in. There's something we're not at peace with. Oh, well, well, Vic, what what do I do about that? Well, you get the same old answer. Get into this. What am I missing? What part of my identity in Christ do I not have assurance of, confidence in, or at peace with? Don't blame me for this. That was Nancy's words. I took, I took credit, but now I'm blaming her for putting this back on to you. What is it we're missing? Is there something I'm really not sure of? Is there something I'm, I'm not at peace with in my doctrine? Is there something that I don't have full assurance in? Do I not have full assurance or full confidence that I'm absolutely 100% completely forgiven? I know some of us struggle with that. Is there some kind of area in my life where I have not got absolute confidence and assurance that I am righteous. You know, none of us are sinners. But if I were a betting man, I'd bet some of you sinned last week. Sorry, let me rephrase that. If I was a betting man, I bet some of us. Actually, if I was a betting man, I bet all of us. Oh, sinned last week. That can get, that can get to people. I mean, it was Evelyn last week says said something about being wonderful that she's forgiven because I know what I'm like. We all know what we've done. And some of us still think, could I, could I really have been forgiven for that? Well, yes. Do you believe Jesus Christ's finished work was his finished work? Well, even that, whatever it is you're struggling with, even that has been forgiven. You know, we, we know the words. I'm, I'm not saying this glibly, but we, we can trot them out. Oh, the finished work of Jesus Christ, absolute, complete, unconditional forgiveness, 100% righteousness. Say the words. Really, truly, absolutely, have full confidence in that, full assurance in that, and are at peace with that. Well, if we do, we're at rest with Jesus Christ. If we're not, we're not at rest with Jesus Christ. We're out of the rest and we're trying to work for that in some sense. And you might think, no, I'm not, I'm not. But myself and Nancy have had this conversation and we can do it kind of subconsciously, not knowing we're doing it, trying to work to achieve something. Because it's a deeply ingrained human trait. If we've not completely renewed our minds to that, we can still be trying to work towards something. If I can just do this, 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 and this, that will be better. I think we all do that to a certain extent. Trying to rely on our own efforts. Anyway, that was a long way to get to Hebrews 4. 
Hebrews 4, at last. Hebrews 4, 9 says, There remaineth therefore a rest for the people of God. For he that has entered into rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall from the same example of unbelief. Just kind of notice that it says there, this is a bit of a, whoo, if we're not in rest, we're in unbelief. That's not me that's saying that. I, I haven't written that down, actually. I wasn't going to say that, but it's just jumped out at me. If we're in any way not at rest, so in any way not got all those benefits that I spoke about and we're struggling with something, and don't condemn yourself because we're all there. We're obviously not at rest. We're in unbelief of some sort. Let's labour into the rest. Now, I love this. Again, look at every word of verses now. It doesn't just say, let us labour therefore into rest. What does it say? Well, in King James. No. It says, let us labour therefore to enter into that rest. That rest. What rest is the writer of the Hebrews talking about? The verse before says, the rest where you have ceased from your own works. Mm -hmm. Ah, there's the key, or one key. Cease from resting in your works. The Hebrews wandered around the desert for years and years trusting in their own works, never got into the promised land. That's a picture of salvation. It's a picture of abundance, a picture of prosperity. Never entered into that, most of them, because they were doing their own works. They weren't trusting. They weren't doing a Joshua and Caleb and trusting in what God had said, what God had done, what God had promised them. Cease from resting in your works and trust in his works and trust that they're finished, amen, and that they're perfect and that they're done. Verse 2 says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which had believed, believed what? Believed in the gospel that had just been preached. For we which have believed do enter into rest. You enter into rest through belief. This is tying in uh, John 12, 1 2, John 6, 28, 29. Entering into rest is about belief. Believe in what? Belief in your identity in Christ. Believe in who you are in Christ. Talks of the gospel being preached about him and his finished work. If you believe that, the writer says, you enter into rest. Belief in the gospel is a way to enter into rest. And if you believe that his work is finished and all is done, you will cease from your own works, your own efforts. Hebrews 4, I love this bit. Hebrews 4 talks of God resting on the seventh day from all his works. What was his works on the first six days? Creation. So he rested from all that on the seventh day. Now let me ask you a question. After his rest on the seventh day, on the eighth day, did he start creating again? Why did why did he not why did he not do some more creating headline? Because his work was complete and finished 
Once his work was complete and finished on the sixth day, he rested on the seventh day. Don't know what he did on the eighth. Held it all together. <laughs> but he didn't create anymore. Or the word doesn't tell us he created anymore. And that too, as I was sitting thinking, God finished his work on the sixth, rested on the seventh. That, that's a picture of the work of Jesus Christ in our salvation. Jesus finished everything for us. And he's now our Sabbath. Rest. That's a picture. Jesus has finished the work required. So in faith and trust, in the knowledge of being safe and secure, we can rest. Look at Psalm 23. I'm just loving the scriptures I've been using to these. In, in this sermon. Psalm 23, 1 and 2. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. This is a wonderful picture of our relationship with Jesus, like a shepherd with his sheep. The shepherd is doing the work to find the provision. The shepherd is doing the work to find the pastures, to find the waters. The shepherd is doing the work to find a place of safety and security where the sheep feel able to lie down and rest. Sheep don't lie down and rest anywhere. They just do that when they know they are safe and they're secure. There's no wolves around, you know, there's no danger. I'll lie down now. They rest, get this, from knowing, from trusting, and from having faith in their shepherd. The shepherd does all the work for them. Finds the water, finds the pasture, finds the food, finds the place where they can lie down and be safe. The shepherd does all that. And when he's done that, when it's finished, the sheep will lie down. Why? Because they feel safe and they feel secure. Because they know and they trust the shepherd. They, they know his voice. We, we've done all this. We did that in John 8 or something, or 10, I can't remember, but it's, it was done then. They rest from knowing, from trusting, from having faith in their shepherd. And that too is a picture. Everything is a picture in the old covenant. It's all a picture. If we look deeply enough, that's a picture of our salvation. That's a picture of the rest of our life with Jesus Christ. If we know our shepherd, the good shepherd, we can rest. But if we're worried about our safety and our security, we're looking about in fear and looking about in doubt, we're not resting. We're trusting ourselves to keep safe. Rest comes out of faith and trust and hope in our shepherd. And that's Jesus Christ. And we can't do that if we don't know it. Can't do that if we don't know the word. We can't do that if we don't understand what the scripture says about safety and security and provision. Rest is such a great place to be in. In this picture, it's in green pastures. It's by still waters. It's a place of calm and a place of peace. This is a picture of a place of provision, a place of security. And that comes from a place when we are at peace with, 
have assurance with, and have confidence in who we are in Christ. Amen. Hallelujah.